What's up, everybody? Peace. Uh, just heads up. There may be some strong language in this episode. Ooh, <laughs> some bad words. <laughs> so my mother, she tells the story that she knew I could sing by the way that I cried. Oh. Yeah, and I, I'm one of 14, so I feel like she was, like, waiting for one to be able to sing. But wait, I you have 13 siblings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, like, number nine, maybe. <laughs> you think? I think... <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Stretch Armstrong. And my name is Robert Garcia. Jesus Christ. AKA Bobby. Ah, listen, we're about to have a guest that has multiple names as well, so we might as well start from <laughs> on the right foot. We got Maimuna Youssef, aka Mumu Fresh. And wow, what a uh what a brilliant soul. A, a tremendous woman. She's a MC extraordinaire. A singer. Incredible singer. Grammy-nominated backup singer for The Roots on the song Don't Feel Right. A lot of people might be familiar with her for her role as a backup singer and sort of play in the back, but right now she's stepping out front, both as a soloist and with her project... Vintage Babies with DJ Dummy. That's right. She's collaborated as a backup with Zap Mama, with The Roots, as you just said. She's toured with Common. With Common. But right now it's her time to step out up front into the spotlight, into the limelight. And, uh, wow, is she going to do it? She has an incredible singing voice, but... She can spit with the best of them. That's right. Trust. Real talk. I saw her perform with Common. Uh, it was a uh, NPR Tiny Desk performance with the group August Green. And Common rhymed. Robert Glasper was on piano, three-time Grammy Award winner. Uh, Audra Day performed. Brandy performed. You know. Smashola. <laughs> My Mooner got on the mic and just put it. Down. She did the destruction. Shut it down. She, she did, did the, the destruction. destruction. Yeah, like Big L did in 95. Amazing. She's about to really take over the world. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Not just the world of music, just take over the world. I was blown away by seeing her live, and we hope that the audience will be blown away by this interview about to come up. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Moo Moo Fresh, coming right up. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Sony Music Latin, presenting Grammy Award-winning artist Ile, a Puerto Rican singer and composer known for her work with Calle 13. Her debut album, Elevitable, garnered her a Best New Artist nomination at the Latin Grammys. It also won the award for the Best Latin Rock, Urban, or Alternative Album at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards. Her new single and video, titled Odio, is available everywhere now. 20th Century Fox presenting The Hate You Give, a new film about hope and standing up for what is right. Based on a critically acclaimed New York Times bestseller by Angie Thomas, starring Amanda Stenberg as Star with Regina Hall, Russell Hornsby, Issa Rae, K.J. Apa, Algie Smith, Sabrina Carpenter, Common, and Anthony Mackie. Find your voice. Change the world. The Hate You Give in select theaters October 5th and everywhere October 19th. And we're back here with the very talented singer and MC Maimuna Youssef, also known as Mumu Fresh. What do you prefer, Mumu Fresh or Maimuna? 
me. If you can say my whole name, then you can call me. Bum. AKA, we're going yeah, yeah. to give you. Yeah, we're going to give you both. Yeah, okay. Because you know I'm Bobby Garcia, AKA Cool Bob Love. Okay. Did you know good. that? I, I didn't know about the Cool Bob Love. Oh, he has a lot of oh, other names. And okay. I, I feel a little like I've been deprived. I, I only He's have. nickname deprived. I only have the name that my, my parents gave me uh-huh. and um and Stretch, Stretch. Armstrong. Which is exciting. Which is I, exciting. <laughs> that meant it wasn't uh, exciting. Can you tell us how you got that nickname? I think my name is hard for people to say, you know? So it kind of started. Um, people would say, What's your nickname? And my mom would always say, No, don't don't let anyone call you by a nickname. They if they break up your name, they break up your purpose. So mm. they have to say your whole name, right? So she would never allow anyone to call me by a nickname. It's actually Black Thought who gave me the nickname Mumu Fresh. And then, you know, my my web designer was like, Hey, listen, no one's gonna find your URL. You, <laughs> <laughs> you need to go by Mumu Fresh and have the, the dot com be Mumu Fresh. So then we started that. And once we did the tiny dress, I was like you know, it's a it's a throwback name, right? When fresh, it is right. It I mean, is. when 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 was fresh still true. in the common parlance? Yeah. So Mumu means as I started touring and I was using that name, like it means different things. Like so, like in Nigeria, Mumu means the fool, right? Oh, get out! And so yeah, so at first people were like when I would you know talk to promoters, they would say, I don't know if we should promote you as Mumu Fresh because people might think you're the fool. And I was like, what well, could be stupid fresh? You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> so I just started seeing it like, yeah, I know it means the fool, but I'm stupid fresh. What? You know what I mean? Because yeah. not just is my first name long. I have seven middle names and a long last name. So Oh, we, uh, what are they? What's the full name? Maimuna Kwayero Ola Tutuha Loka Hanana San Yusef. That's like my full name. So he was like, yeah, so you're Mumu, okay? I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then I went, I went <laughs> to Germany and um, Mumu... <laughs> Mumu means vagina. Whoa! Yeah, so it's weird. And so I was like, well, at least it's fresh. You know what I mean? It could be. It's yeah. the best kind of have. <laughs> so it's like all these places I would go and just find all. <laughs> oh my god! Different, different names, like all the different things it meant. <laughs> so well, we are we are always happy to see family up here at NPR and. and yeah. uh, uh, Maimuna um, oh yeah you say it so nicely thank you uh, <laughs> like I saw you perform at NPR Tidy Desk I was in the crowd and that, that put you on the radar for a lot of people yeah no it was a blessing did some good for you oh for sure for sure definitely opened up a whole new audience um, you know what I love so much about it is that especially the first one that I did with um, Common for it to it came out on Women's History Month the first day of Women's History Month that was the August um, Green yeah with Robert Glasper mm-hmm. uh, Kareem, Kareem Riggins and Comet Comet yeah mm-hmm. and um, Andrew Day she she featured in Brandy for it to be about something that means so much to me and for so many people to get it to really for it to really really resonate because you know sometimes you can say something and people don't get it they might not get it sometimes it's timing it's delivery it could be a, a myriad of different things and people got it and not just women got it because I'm speaking to women, but I'm also speaking to men. The amount of men that reached out to me, like, thank you so much for that. Like, something clicked when, when I heard your rap verse, and it it changed my whole perspective. Sometimes being a woman's like being black twice. I gotta scream fire instead of rape, but you tell me to act nice. Look pretty, stay slim, don't talk loud, don't think, don't feel, don't act proud. But if I'm at my lowest, how you 100%? God made woman and man for the balance of it. So will the real men please stand up and defend what God made? Signing off for love. That was so major, more even more than Instagram following, growing, anything like that. The fact that I feel like I was heard. The Tiny Desk was like kind of like the epitome of that, of being able to um, convey a, a really important concept uh, and through hip hop and through song, yeah. 
Yeah, people wonder how revolutionary is is hip hop in the moments when it's derogatory or is sexist or you know is expressing misogyny and everything. You know, if people of color are expressing themselves and have a platform, and that's revolutionary, right? In itself. But I, I do feel like hip hop has provided a space, and it's good to hear you as a as an MC, you know, found that voice. Mm-hmm. But I think you know there's plenty of singers who have put emotion and activism into songwriting as well and 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 performed it here and there i definitely don't think it's encouraged amongst um people of color like if you've ever been assigned to a publishing deal or been on a label like they're never going to encourage you to write about something besides a relationship the club Mm. you know you got about like three topics that you're kind of tied to and confined Mm. to what i was told when i was first getting into the music business is black people don't want to think don't start writing about anything deep. They're not going to get it. Who who told you that? They were like A&R. Uh-huh. Yeah. And on the publishing side or? On the publishing side, wow. yeah. Because yeah. I was not only writing for myself, but I was writing for other artists. Mm-hmm. And I would write all these songs. It's like, hey, you're not going to be able to sell it to the artists that you're thinking about. And not because of they, they didn't want to think. They weren't allowed to think. And so then I started realizing that, you know, they would say, well, this is what the market wants. But I'm like, mm, I feel like you're creating the market, though, when you limit artists and sure. writers from being able to Boom. to really write authentically and unadulterated, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is what made me want to be independent. Because I was like, I don't like this structure. You all are not allowing the music to progress naturally. This is not a, a natural um, evolution. It's not, you know, it's like you, you guys are putting all these, you're, you're steering it a particular way. And that's not cool, you know. So earlier we were talking, it's, it's unanimous. You have um, just an incredibly soothing, comforting voice. Even I want to when sing you're not singing you. or <laughs> when you're not singing or spitting, just I mean, it's just like the, your default mode is just it's just ridiculous. But but let's get <laughs> into you. your voice. Okay. You know, I think some people have to put a lot of work into the voice. I imagine since your speaking voice is just so. Ridiculous! You're starting so far ahead of everybody else. <laughs> oh my God. But, but is is the, the voice that you have when you're singing? Is that something that that took a lot of work to nurture, or did it just sort of? You felt like at a young age, it just you had it. So my mother, she tells the story that uh, she knew I could sing by the way that I cried. Oh. Yeah, and I, I'm one of 14, so I feel like she was like waiting for one to be able to sing. You have 13 siblings. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm like number nine, maybe. <laughs> you think? I think I don't That's know. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of us. Wow. But um, yeah. But of course, it's, it's so funny. Like my dad was like, "Yeah, right. She's not gonna be able to sing," and she was like, "No, I can tell she can sing." And even now, maybe like five years ago, my dad came to me and was like, "You know, you can actually really sing." But what was it about <laughs> your your crying chords that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she said that her. my crying was melodic. <laughs> and she knew that I would be able to sing. So she started... My mother's a singer, too. She's actually Tom Matola's. So she was Tom Matola's first artist. What? She was, What's yeah, her she name? Was, her name is Natasha. You're just dropping so many things that we <laughs> yeah, got to figure out how to, how to address. <laughs> but she, Sorry, what's her name? Natasha. Tommy Matola. Lives Liz on the road. He lost a lady two months ago. Maybe he'll find her. Maybe he won't wander the road. She la, sleeps la, 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 la. in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, she left the music business. She totally made a whole life change and converted to Islam. And she started only doing like like straight ahead jazz and like Afrobeat and um, like on some Letambulu, Mary McCabe, Hume Sakela vibe, you know. And um, so my grandmother, she was a choir director, right, in Chicago. Contralto voice, and my mother grew up singing in her church. So, but by the time I was born, they had all converted to Islam. So, like, technically, I wasn't supposed to like learn to sing gospel, but when I would go to my grandmother's house in the summertime, she would still teach me gospel. <laughs> and I would learn like all these like escape songs, slave songs. And the other thing is that my grandmother is Native American. She's, she's Choctaw, my granddad's Creek, but it was illegal. Um, to practice our culture until, like, I think, 76. So the Freedom of Religion Act was passed for Native people then um, after the the longest walk. They had to go back and relearn the language and the culture and the songs because it was illegal before. And you couldn't even speak the language or do any ceremonies, any sweat lodge, vision quest, Sundance. And um, so by the time I was born, they were going back and relearning those songs. So along with the uh, gospel songs and the jazz and even the African songs my mom was learning from, you know, being on the road with these Afro bands. Um, I would learn traditional Lakota and Choctaw and Tuscarora, Maharin, all the traditional songs. And I would dance in the powwow. I learned the traditional bead work, like everything that we went back and relearned from, like, you know, the Indian board, boarding schools. Native children were sent there to basically, it was a program called Kill the Indian, Save the Man to basically wipe any kind of like native memory of your native culture and force you to assimilate into regular culture. That became another part of um, my cultural influence growing up, learning to sing those songs. At home, music was something we do. Like if people ask my mother to like teach them to sing, she's going to make you cook and clean. That's like a part of the lesson, right? She'll be like, all right, shuck this corn and pick these greens, you know, and then she'll just sing as she's doing it. Mm-hmm, I love the Lord. She'll say, come on, sing what you feel. Oh, he heard my cry. And she'll be boiling the water, sweep the floor now. And, you know, like that's how she, that's what it was like. And you just do chores and you cook and and you sing and it's I feel like I, I live such an alternate in an alternate universe like people ask me I grew up in Baltimore but I'll say I grew up in my mother's house because I'm sure my experience was very different from my next door neighbors because I was homeschooled up until high school and I was really kind of incubated in this in her reality and I actually got into hip hop because um so, so my brother had this rule right um, he really, he liked me, but I think it was like me being a girl was like, ah, uh, like my, you know, innate flaw. And it was like, how can I accept her being wow. a girl, you know? And uh, so he had this rule that girls couldn't come outside in the summertime unless they could rap. So like you couldn't pass the steps to get outside. So I would just come outside and start trying to freestyle, to start trying to battle him. And he's such a good battle rapper. He's so, I mean, he can just think of the, the most just, mm degrading things to say to you in the dopest <laughs> ways you know and uh, you know my self-esteem would just be crushed every day and I just go back in like damn and I come back out again the next day and I'm trying to rap again and I'm trying to you know put words together so he kind of started taking to me like alright you know maybe I might be able to forgive her for being a girl so he started saying well listen to the Wu-Tang Clan so he would play the Wu-Tang Clan tapes and say memorize all of their aliases and write down their raps so I just started writing the bomb atomically Socrates philosophies and hypotheses ever hella time to find in me so I'm still little like 10 or so I don't know how, <laughs> what year that was maybe 10 or 11 and so I'm like writing down all of these raps 
And I don't even think my mom knew that I was like, you know, listening to Wu-Tang. It's probably definitely not child appropriate. So it's like, so, so then that was like my orientation to, uh, to, to hip hop. It's like I really held on to the things that, that I could get my hands on. And almost I feel like manifest destiny because all of those artists, black, you know, black star who I used to sit and write their rap lyrics and just wonder how could I one day be so good, you know, as good as them. And I've worked with every last one of them. Like, you Word. know what I mean? I've toured with uh-huh. them. Like, they're the homies now. That's yeah. in, that's still insane to me. Like, uh-huh. I feel like that child manifested that, manifested that destiny. Uh-huh. So you alluded earlier to your Native American heritage. Mm-hmm. Your whole family history is just think incredibly rich and fascinating it's and um they interesting um yeah <laughs> in more ways than you know <laughs> well we're gonna try to get to some of those right now <laughs> yeah so if you could just maybe uh let the listeners know what your family tree is mm-hmm. like my grandmother she's she's choctaw my granddad is creek and african-american and my dad's side is african-american but the crazy part is I, we just recently did like a and AfricanAncestry.com, and his ancestry actually comes from like um, Israel, Persia, Iraq, that area. Um, but I don't know enough about it to even claim that. So as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's a black man. Um, I know. When I told him that, he was like, "Oh, he was like, well, tell that to the police, or like, maybe I can get some credit now and get a loan." But um, so yeah, so that that's kind of my background. I definitely grew up in the culture, native culture. Uh, practicing ceremony, dancing in a powwow, learning the traditional beat work, and um, and then I also grew up in West Baltimore. So, so what was that like? Sort of, you know, having one foot in each of those worlds. How did you balance that? If, I if don't know. It, it just it, was normal to me. It was. It yeah. wasn't until I was around other people who told me it wasn't normal that I was like, "Is that weird? Am I weird?" <laughs> it just was. You know, we would be on the block one day, and then the next day we're like, you know, in the woods praying for the full moon and. <laughs> Doing sweat lodge ceremony. I mean, my first time sweating, I was seven. Um, the first time going to Vision Quest, I was about seven to eight. Uh, what what is a, Vision Quest? Um, I mean, it's the same thing that Moses did, all the great prophets did. But in the Lakota tradition, you go out on a mountain for four days and four nights without food and water. Your supporters, they eat for you or pour food and water into the fire. And uh, you stay there and wait for a vision. So you prepare for a year for it. And um, you have prayer ties around you with tobacco. And you're asking God to give you a vision and a purpose for your life's mission journey. So when my mom went on her class, I was about seven or eight. So I came there as a supporter for her to sweat in the lodge. So basically in the lodge, mm, I guess it's like similar in the Western world to like a sauna. But it's like a hundred times hotter. <laughs> and you, cr- But it's built like a womb. So you're crawling back into the womb mm. to rebirth yourself. Um, but that was normal for me. We would all we would sweat. That was a part of like growing up. My son, he sweated. You know, like he became seven and he sweated as his rites of passage, and um, and it was even to the point that like some of my brothers' homies would be like, "What y'all doing in the woods? Like, why y'all be doing that?" He's like, "We all come through." So then we have all the dudes from the hood. They come down south <laughs> out to the land and they they started sweating and learning the tradition. That's, that was my next question. Yeah, sweating. they would start. They would Don't learn sweat how to, the technique. It's, they learn how to fire keep and and it, it was deep because you know you'll see them on the block and they might be talking crazy and being super reckless, but when they come on the land to do ceremony. They totally different. They don't use profanity. They don't smoke no cigarettes, no nothing. It was, I mean, it was so transformative. Like, I really believe that 
the boys that were around my brother at that time, like my mom introduced them into cult. Like that ceremony really saved their lives and changed their lives. By the time you get out, you're covered in mud. Like you have submitted. You're in full submission. And no ego can exist there. Can we talk about your grandmother? Grandma yeah, sure. Mountain Eagle Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got my grandma name over there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, we looked at a photograph of her mm-hmm. online and... Even through looking at a computer screen, I mean, yeah. her her face oh, yeah. is um, is quite powerful. She is, um, and uh, she I'm sure still she is. was quite, <laughs> yeah, quite an influence on you. I'm just curious, what what did she teach you? What was the influence she had on you? I think the biggest thing that she reminded me of to not need other people's validation, um, in particular because I don't look like her. You know, and I my hair doesn't look like hers. And so being younger and being in the powwows in certain settings, there was a lot of scrutiny about, are you really Indian or not? To the point that I would say, Grandma, look, I don't want to be Indian. It's too much work. I'm cool. Black people like me. I'm cool being black. Let me just be black because being Indian is too much work for a nickel. And... You gotta sweat. You gotta yeah, I was like, it's not even that. It was, it was, Covered it was, mud. It, it wasn't, no, it wasn't the ceremony. I love the ceremony. It was proving to other people who would say, well, how come you're not lighter? And how come, you know, gotcha. and having to go over the whole history with them, like, well, all Native Americans don't look like that. So I would say to her, like, Grandma, you know, they make it fun of me or they give me a hard time. They wanna check my Indian card all the time and I don't wanna, I just forget it. I just won't do this no more. I just, I just, she was like, you don't let them decide what your destiny is. Like, you are who you are, whether they acknowledge it, whether they understand it, whether they validate it or not. I've had to think back on that lesson and not even having anything to do with being mixed, but um, just being in environments where people, they couldn't see me, they don't know what to do with me. You know, when I would get into the music industry later, they had no idea what to do with me. You know, so there are times when things might be easier for me if I go along and get along and just don't say anything. But it's not going to be easier for the girl coming behind me if I don't say something right here and now. If I don't say, mm, nah, we're not going to do it that way, you know. So, um, I mean, that's definitely manifesting in your lyrics. It's, it's yeah. manifesting in, in your your independent career, clearly un- uncompromised, yeah. you know, clearly uh, controlling your creativity. But along the lines of your grandmother and your mother, um, you ha- you're, a, you're a mother yourself. You have I a am, child. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I imagine you have made some very tough decisions. Mm-hmm. What are the, the struggles there raising a child and being an independent artist? Mm. And I saw all the tour dates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, so um, is your kid coming wish, out on the road with he you? He does. He does travel on the road with Word. me. This, this is uh, it's funny. This is the first year that uh, his, fa- his father actually asked me this year if he could come live with him. And that's so hard for me because <laughs> I'm talking about my son has been. How old is he? He's 12 now. Okay. My son has been on the road with me since the very beginning. Like I recorded a whole album nursing him. You know what I mean? Like he's been. A part of everything. Like do you know, Erica Badu. I do. Yeah, yeah she does. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she talked about that. Yeah, I, I mean, like he sells my merch. Like when we go to shows, like this is this is also part of, kind of how I end up like homeschooling. Um, that's his class, so he takes care of all the merchandising. He does at twelve it. years old. Yeah, the, I mean, he's been doing that since he was like seven or something. Wow. So he traveled over. We stayed out in London for a little while. You know, the first time we went over there, they took my, my merch, right? Took my CDs, right? Told me I ain't paid taxes on them. So I said, look, Pop, this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy merch over there, mm. and we're going to have it delivered to a friend's right. house in London. 
So this is how much I'm going to pay for it. This is how much I can sell it for. This is a conversion rate. We are going to have to pay taxes at this particular venue. This is how much that costs. And I will make him do everything. He has to do the whole spreadsheet for our, our loss and our, our profits. And then he gives himself 10% of whatever the profit is. My does, son does, is. Hmm? Does he try to negotiate? With he, that does, he does. He does. Yeah, he definitely is saying that <laughs> it's too much work and he needs 15%. And I was like, <laughs> I said, but son, you, you have to deduct um, the rent. Um, all your clothes, the food that you eat, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then he wanted to hire an employee, but then he didn't want to pay the employee from his car. He wanted me to pay the employee. And I said, that's your employee. How am I p- paying your employee? So he, tr- and this is, I'm saying, this is what my son is an amazing person and a brilliant mind because he's had this kind of experience. Sure, so. Sure. I try to make everyday school because I'm like, bro, if I got to drive you all day long, like in a car all day long, I need you to read these contracts for me. So it's it's interesting because people who live in traditional settings, they may feel like him moving around and touring. They'll say uh, he needs to have a stable environment. He should go to the same place every day, the same time, do the same thing. And I'm like, but, but says who, though? Can your kid read contracts? I'm just saying. But, you know, I like... It is a challenge. It's tough. It's never easy having, because there's been plenty of times, so many times, I've had to turn down work or turn down big opportunities if there's nowhere for him to go. Or if um, if he's sick, I'm not going to say it's not hard. It's almost always hard, but I, I don't even recognize when things are hard anymore because I'm just so used to <laughs> dealing with hard stuff. I just, we, you know, we throw it on our back and we let's go. Let's keep it moving. Like, <laughs> y'all ready? Let's do this. Get up this mountain. I want to I want to talk about a song. Okay. If I should die tomorrow at the hands of the police Say my name, which is a tribute you wrote to Sandra Bland, and yeah. I'd love to hear uh, in your words who Sandra was and what she meant to you. We're going to call it a suicide or do you even question I think her story hit me really hard because uh, she was a woman. And as I watched the video of her on YouTube, of her being drug out of her car and beat on the side of the road, and then I scrolled down to listen to some of the comments, I just kept seeing people write, I mean, you know, she was too mouthy. That's the problem with black women. You always talk too much. And that's, you know, that's what happens when you talk too much. And there was so little empathy as if death is the punishment for being mouthy. And in general, I feel like women of color get a a really bad reputation for speaking out against things. And it hit me because it could have been me. It could have been my sister or my mom. And I couldn't get through my day without writing it, you know. And I I started putting down, jotting down little pieces of it. And we did the first part in the doo-wop. Because, you know, in the 60s, people pour out a little liquor to this person who passed. And it was this homage, this, this you know, they were paying homage and libation to that ancestor. And then we went to the hip-hop part because, you know, that's my heart. And so there's certain things I can only say rapping and certain things I can only say singing, you know. So I'm like, I got to do both of them so you get what I'm saying. But the part that hit me so much when I said, well, we watched a woman get drug out of beat and filmed in the highway, and all y'all could say was black women too mouthy. I'm vexed searching my timeline, seeing people find time to criticize and villainize and calling it a suicide. But what if Sandra Bland was your child? I know the struggle, it get hard, but we ain't backing out. Nothing is impossible. The word alone says I'm possible, so I'm the race horse that I'm riding for audacity or hope. Her mom called me after that. Three o'clock in the morning, like, wake up. Is this Mumu Fresh? I need to talk to you. 
she and I on the phone in tears. And it was it was just so heavy. I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be, like, her story was supposed to be told in that way. I mean, when we performed that song on NPR, like, everybody was in tears. I'm in tears. They're in tears. It was, it was definitely like, um, you know, a, a spiritual experience we had together there. You know, so I'm grateful for that. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. for each other fries and milkshakes selfies and duck face and now what's good with stretch and bobito and spotify yes the same app that has millions of songs now also has thousands of podcasts on spotify you can listen to all your favorite shows and discover new ones to subscribe to ours search for what's good with stretch and bobito tap follow and get every new episode delivered to you podcasts on spotify they're streaming right now and now and now Hey, it's Jesse from Bullseye. Jack Black and Kyle Gass are back as Tenacious D. Mature, sophisticated masters at the peak of their craft. Feels like we're, hey, you know what? It feels like hey. we're finally grown up. Yeah, grossed up. We're finally all grossed up, Gage. New episodes every Monday on Bullseye. Well, you know what that means. Bob? Yes! Mumu? Yes. Wait, she's, she's, is she? What? What? She's Mumu Fuzz? <laughs> Yeah, she said whatever I, you want. Oh, we, well, yeah, I, well, I'm gonna call her. I'm gonna call her my Muna. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Okay. I mean, you know, if she's all right with that. Yeah, I'm just it's saying. Fine. Okay, so back to you, stretch. <laughs> it's time for the impression <laughs> session. <laughs> and in this segment, uh, we're gonna each play you a track. You okay. react, and simple as that. I like that. All right, that, that I'm, I'm gonna go first, <laughs> as I usually do. <laughs> That bass line is killing. So who is that? <laughs> oh, you can't tell me? No, no, I can tell. Of course. That's, I like it. That is uh, a song on a, well, it's by Max Roach, but the singer is Abby Lincoln. Max Roach, oh, the Abby drummer. Lincoln. Yeah. Oh, Abby Lincoln. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, who yeah. I only recently found out about. I, I don't know. Like, I've known the name Abby Lincoln for a long time. <laughs> Abby Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Abby Lincoln. So I've seen her in concert. She's really, really She's good bananas. in concert. Yeah, she's amazing. That's beautiful. What was the name of the song? 
Lonesome Lover. Now I picked that song because oh, and you were singing along. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be quiet right now. No, 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 no. You started it. That was beautiful. I love that bass line. Just that time period. I like music from that time period. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, evocative. I mean, it sounds almost like a musical. Like you can see a chorus of men Uh standing on a stage. I I love that song, even though it's a a song about, uh, it's a love song. It's about, uh, I mean, she's expressing a desire to to be, I I think, to be forgiven for something she may have done Mm -hmm. and and she wants to be taken back. Um, But it sounds to me more like a spiritual. um, It does have that, that, yeah. The the refrain, take me back where I belong. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why I wanted to play it for you is because your music so effortlessly sort of incorporates uh uh your heritage or and yeah. your roots if you will and and it just my DJ always says that he said Moo you always sing sound like you're singing a Negro spiritual all the time <laughs> <laughs> talking about DJ Dummy yeah Dummy always that's our man <laughs> yeah. yeah we actually did a song on the Vintage Babies album I got a feeling that was for that in that purpose like that kind of call and response Like a, uh, what do you call them, ring shouts? You know, people being a, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You know what I mean? And it's this whole, like, it's like a sermon, but, you know, you you preach and talk about something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, me too, you know. And it becomes this whole, like, uh, this dance and this communal, like, communication or whatever through music. Like, I I enjoy those, like. Because it's fun to do with the audience, too. It takes them back to a particular, you know, time in, in history, even if we didn't live through it. I'm going to play you a song. Okay. House, soul, jazz. Even the way the vocals are stacked is like almost like bossa nova. The way it's not harmony necessarily always, like the unison octave. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, who is that? So that's Louis Vega is uh-huh. the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, the Louis! It's featuring Monique Bingham, mm-hmm. who is uh, a legend of house music and unfortunately she's not like a household name mm-hmm. um, and has carved out an independent path similar to you you know mm-hmm. for, for, for years for years for years for years uh, she used to sing with a, a group called Abstract Truth okay. in the late 90s and um, the title of the song is Elevator Going Up huh, okay. um, the reason why I played that for you not that it's a, a a Baltimore house record but I, you know I'm just looking at like you grew up in Philly I think hip hop you grew up in D.C., I think go-go music. Uh-huh. I think of the go-go clubs, you know. And then I think of Baltimore, Baltimore I think like... house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like y'all throw down music. on some house music. Yes, hard. For sure. Like hard. 
So what's your experiences with house music? You know, I really <laughs> haven't done a whole lot. I was actually talking to Dummy and talking to uh, Terry Hunter about wanting to work on some house music this year. I think because we started a jazz hip-hop band, and for, honestly, like, when we were younger, we were against dance music, period. Like, no dancing. <laughs> what do you I, mean? Um, I think that we, we thought that, um, you know, like, if you was going to drop science, you can't dance. And I, oh, because that's because that's the era of the mid '90s when right, hip hop so was we at, were, at odds with. So like, that's what yeah. we grew up under. Yeah. So we kind of held that mentality, like no dancing. It was yeah. hard for me because I really like to dance, yeah. but I was like no dancing. <laughs> I'm like oh, and like Sheldon get to go like oh, stop that Sheldon. My, my cousin like yo stop. I'm like you're right, no dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hip hop at its core is it's is, dance music. Is pure it's da- it's yeah. really ridiculous. Yeah. I don't even know what we were thinking. I mean, you know, so many thoughts that you have. We coming up. Like I always laugh about it when I see pictures from. I, I performed at Dave Chappelle's block party, and all of the pictures I look really, really sad because in my mind that's how adults looked, and I want to. <laughs> I want to look older, so I would just <laughs> just look like I'm crying and just like dying every uh-huh. day. I'm like adults look sad. So <laughs> those are great choices, though. And y'all put me on to some stuff, so. Cool. My Muna, thank you so much Absolutely. for being thank our guest you. on What's Good with Chacha Mabito. So, thank you. Word. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Peace. That is our show. This podcast was produced by Michelle Lanz, edited by Jordana Hochman and Nigeri Eaton, and our executive producer is Abby O'Neill. Original music was provided by composer Ellie Escobar, as well as our own Bobito Garcia. If you like the show, you can find more at NPR.org or wherever you get your podcasts, including bonus video content on Spotify on Fridays. While you're at it, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. That's how we know you out there listening. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Stretch and Bob or Instagram at Stretch and Bobito. Kaboom! 